tuning in this is the brandon archer podcast and this is brandon archer and it's been a few weeks since i've done a podcast and jumping back in here and i believe i got something it's been cooking and um, it's fresh out the oven for you today during this holiday season i pray it blesses your soul it blesses your heart that god ministers to you and that it connects with your spirit man Whatever's flesh, I pray, is just comes to nothing. But whatever is by God's Spirit would be exalted, lifted high, would not return void. And God, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you, God, that you can do exceedingly above all we could ask or think. And God, that you can open up our understanding and our eyes to see your word, your truth, your love, who you are, God, in the scripture. And you open us up to a relationship and a fellowship with you because you actually want to connect with us. You know, God desires a relationship with you. His heart is that you would get to know him. But even more so that in our exchange, it's like when you get to know somebody, it's the time you spend with them in talking and sharing and laughing and and going through you know, hard times, good times uh, together, all the times together, because those things develop memories and uh, you can build on those memories. And then there's a familiarity that comes and not a bad familiarity, a good familiarity of, of, of comfort and peace and trust in relationship. And the more you get to know the Lord, the more you'll trust him, the more and, and the more that you know that God sees and understands the depths of, of who you are, you'll feel more intimate with him. You'll have more of a a closeness and a, uh, an ability to, to just walk in the spirit. But when you're far off in your heart and you don't, you're not praying, you're not spending time with the Lord, you're not doing those things. It's real easy to feel like God's not there. God's not around. And, you know, people will say, oh, see, how do you know? We don't follow our feelings. And sometimes you don't feel God and you just have to keep pressing in and, or, or pressing on. But no, the reality of it is, is you could feel God at any moment. All you have to do is press into him. What does that mean? That means you get past your emotions. You get past the negative feeling. You get past the, I can't feel God. And you pray. You can pray in the spirit or you can worship. Me, I worship and pray in the spirit. You can do both. But worship really is the way that I connect to God when I'm not feeling him or when I'm down or depressed or struggling. I begin to sing. I'll put on worship. I'll find a song I like or I'll just have a a song that you know, God puts in my heart or that's on my mind and I'll just start singing it. And that worshiping God, and I'm talking about me and the Lord, you know, I'm not, nobody's around. It's just me expressing my heart and, and telling him I love him. Even in times when it's hard, even in times where you don't understand everything or you're struggling with things, you can open up your mouth and press into God. Meaning, I love you, Lord, so worthy, God. I know you're there. I know you care. (laughs) I didn't mean to rhyme, but (laughs) you know what I mean? You just begin to talk to him and sing to him and love on him. 
And as you do that, it's like serenading the Lord, you know, your expression of love and adoration. He, you're going to feel God. And if you don't, then something's wrong. I mean, I can't, I can't make people understand or, or, or sense God, but for me, worship is a huge tool. I just sing the name of the Lord. I just sing to him. Oh, Jesus, you're worthy, so worthy, so worthy, so worthy, Lord. And just bless him. And as I do that, and sometimes I'll do it in the spirit. And I'll just sing in the spirit and when I do that for like 10, 15 minutes, I'm telling you, I feel God. I feel a closeness to God. I feel like God's there with his ear open and ready to go, okay, what do you got for me? What do you want to talk about? And all that other stuff just melts away. So I encourage you today to press into God, press into the things of God. There's more than just what religion tells you you can have. And today I want to get into this topic of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues the gift of tongues there's a big um it's a big issue in the local church especially in churches that are um you know anti-holy spirit or pentecostal they're you know baptist or uh, there's some i mean you can get in any any uh denomination and they have like undercover tongue talkers the catholics have them the baptists have them so there are people who have engaged in this gift but yet they still adhere to their traditions or their you know, certain doctrines, but I'm talking about just pure Bible, what the Bible says and making it, keeping it simple for people to understand. It's not a hard thing to understand the word of God. If it's hard and, and, and it's like this weird, get down these like, you know, weird explanations that cause people to go, what? But usually when it's God explaining things, it's an opening up. It's something where you go, oh, never seen it that way oh that makes sense oh it clicks for you right and for whatever reason there's people you can preach the gospel to or you can tell about jesus and it just will never that veil doesn't break and they're just stuck in a place of like they're they're narrow-minded they're never going to see it and they're not going to believe and it's between them and god right we can't i can't make somebody believe in god i can't get them saved i can't make them um a christian the holy spirit does that the Holy Spirit opens people's hearts, opens their minds, and is the one who does the work. But I can talk about him. He can anoint me. He can speak through me. And it's up to the persons, wherever they're at in their heart before the Lord, that's the key, I think. Because I don't think you can be strong enough, anointed enough to, to all of a sudden you're just going to make somebody know or, or see it your way. God has to open them up. God has to do the work, them and God together. It's not just God forcing his way or his belief system or his doctrine into somebody's life. It's them actually hungering and desiring it. And then God speaking to them and them receiving it by faith. And then a transformation or a transaction happens where now, oh, they get it. Oh, I got it. Oh, I understand that now. Oh, I'm freed up in this area because I see life differently. My perspective changes and that perspective change frees you up. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And the Bible says that the truth that you know, the truth that you become acquainted with, that's why intimacy is important with God, getting to know him. Because when you know him, right, the truth will set you free. It, it gives you freedom not to live in sin, or, but it gives you freedom to live for God and to live on fire and live on purpose for him. Amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and start. I want to start out with this story if you're familiar with the Bible stories and you're familiar with this, it's the Tower of Babel. And I really believe God showed me something. And I'm sure he's shown other people because I've, I've actually, before ever talking to somebody about this and just reading the Bible and getting a revelation and then hearing, oh, other people have this view as well. This is the view that I have. I believe the Tower of Babel is a key in understanding the gift of tongues because the Tower of Babel was something that God came and condemned and shut down because of man wanting to build this tower to heaven. And the key here wasn't the fact that they could build. It wasn't their skill level. It was their language. Their language is what gave them power 
and their unity and their ability to be of one mind. So let's go ahead and start in chapter 11 and let's read. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city. So you're seeing people with one language, one speech, one mind coming together in agreement, saying, let us build ourselves a city, not let us do this for God or let us with God do something. No, this was man in his own will, in his own fleshly carnal desire, saying, let's use our power and what's been given to us to reach the heavens. And it, and it says, let us make a name for ourselves. So you see this, let us make a name for ourselves, meaning, right, their hearts are not in the right place, right? They want to make a name for themselves instead of letting God's name be glorified and God's name be lifted high. And you see this a lot of times in, in ministry too. Let us make a name for ourselves. It's not up to us to make a name for ourselves. And, and the whole goal of ministry anyways isn't to make a name for yourself. God can glorify you and lift you up and exalt you, but that's for you to always point and shine the glory back on him. And and yeah, your name may be great and be you know appreciated among men, but ultimately the heart's desires, I don't care what men think or if men applaud me or they want to throw stones at me. I'm only concerned about what God thinks. And their mindset is not this. Their mindset, God's not even on their mind. Their mind is let us do this. Let us, let us make a name for ourselves that lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. So verse five, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one and they have one language. And this is what they begin to do. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them because of their ability to come together and be in agreement. And really the thing that was the biggest part of this was language. And we can even see today, um, here's a little bit of a side note, but I'm sure you can relate to me, depending on your background. I mean, you could be uh, Russian, (laughs) this just comes to my mind because of the news, but Ukrainian, uh, those are different languages right there, different people, but they're similar languages, but they're different languages and and they're neighboring countries. And then you have America, which is English, and then you have Mexico, which is Spanish, right? And you have different dialects of Spanish, even throughout all of South America. And you have Canadian, you have French Canadian, you have so many different languages in the world. And how that brings division, because you're not of a certain um, race, right? So like, you can have people just because their language is different, there's already a dividing factor. Haven't you ever heard this in America? Well, if they're going to be here, why don't they learn English? Learn English or go back to your country, you know? <laughs> Bigoted people or racist people, whatever, just, you know, back in the days when the Chinese were first coming over or whatever, and then, you, you know, you walk by somebody. I remember as a kid, you know, and having these these thoughts as well, and they're not good thoughts or evil thoughts. When you just because you don't understand somebody's language doesn't mean you should automatically have a hatred or some sort of disgust or, you know, be displeased with them. They're from a different country. They're going to have a different language. There shouldn't be this, go back to your country, learn English, because I don't understand anything you're saying. Now, that again, that could be used, you know, people who are foreigners, sometimes they, they, they come to a different country and they don't want to change or learn that country's language. And that's 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 not right. You should have a heart to want to communicate with the place you're going to. If you're coming with love and you're coming with, hey, I want to know people, then there should be this openness to them to learn language. And you guys learn each other's language so that you can fellowship, get along, build 
friendship. But then there's there's some people who come and they get in their little, you know, cliques. And this is humanity. And then they start talking in their language behind your back, saying stuff that you don't understand. And uh, next thing you know, you you know you're somewhere. And I mean, the only thing I think of is you know women when they get their nails done. And I, this comes from a, a TV show. I think it's Seinfeld or one of those shows where they're doing the nail and the lady's over there speaking in Korean or something. And then yeah, I think it, yeah, it's Seinfeld with with Elaine sitting there and she can't understand her. And then. She brings somebody to translate and then ends up telling on her. It's hilarious. Anyways, but you see how, you know, language is a division. It it can bring division in society because of the difference of language. So that's what God's about to do. He's about to, to bring really a curse because of this one language thing. And really, God created man to communicate with him first and then with one another to have this relationship with him, but with one another, with him in the center, not separate from him. God created us, man and woman, not so that we'd be divided and hate each other and have, you know, uh, war of the whatever you want to call it, where a man and a woman are fighting or there's, you know, feminists and men who male chauvinists or whatever who they think they're more important men are more important than women and there's women out there men are dogs men you know men are women are more important than men and there's just even tension over that so you can see humanity is so broken it finds whatever it can to argue and debate and get mad and upset about it's silly but there is a purpose to it in what god's going to do because of their power and if they were to all to come together in unity and then do something nothing would be impossible for them to do but it would be outside of God's design and his will and his heart and his plan for man and so God brings this division to their speech so the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth and they ceased building the city so actually hold on let me go back to verse um Six, and we'll read from there. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing they purpose to do will be withheld from them. And this purpose is evil. Without God, it's evil. And you see that in societies where men and women have joined together to create certain kind of um, evil, you know, cults or sects of whatever, and uh, they, you can People come together and do wicked, right? They do bad things. Uh, and he's coming and he's saying, come, let us go down there and confuse their language. He brought confusion to their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. So the reason why I'm sharing this story is I want to show you the fact that there was a a language that we all had. And that language God gave us to communicate with him. And so I believe that that heavenly language was lost in that moment. And God brought confusion because it was no longer about how can man have relationship and fellowship with God. It was about how can man do man's will and how can we all come together in agreement and do what we want and not what God wants. And you still have that spirit operating today. You still have it. It's just not as formed as all everyone in the whole earth coming together and being of one mind, right? That's that's actually never gonna happen until Jesus comes back, brings judgment, and then all his people, the Christians and the ones that are saved are going to be of one mind, one spirit. That's why even Paul teaches about it in the church, we're to be of one mind and one spirit, one faith, one baptism, one, you know, uh, coming together into one spirit. And there's power and agreement. That means people come together and they do it, but it's not out of the spirit. It's not separated from God. We can't come together in unity outside of God's spirit and then think we're doing something for the Lord. That's either the power of men or it's demonic power. It's satanic. So let's go back to, uh, let's see. So we finished that. So because of sin, God confuses the languages. Division because of cultures with different languages. 
hate because someone doesn't speak your language. We already talked about that. People make you feel stupid or disrespect you because of difference, differences with language. Whatever country you're in, I already said that. You know, if you go to a different country and you can't speak it, people, you know, usually will want to take advantage of you or manipulate you. And there's people that do that. When they know the language and you don't, unless you meet some good people, there's some shady people who will try to scam you, run a scam on you. Uh, there's liter- There's people in those touristy countries that they make their living scamming tourists. That's literally, it's it's a whole setup, a con job that's planned and plotted out for them to manipulate you because you do not know their language. So I'm, I'm really hitting this heavy with the language because I want you to understand that there's power in language and that God is giving us in the gift of tongues a spiritual language and that people need to see it as that and understand and respect it and not look at it like, oh, what is that? If you think of all the different dialects and all the languages, I, I mean, I what are there, millions? I mean, there's so many different types of languages and then there's different dialects of that language and you know i mean it's incredible when you get into it but then to think oh well then god doesn't have a language for his people and to be so quick to just kind of like oh that's not for me or oh that doesn't matter it's not that important is silly because you're thinking about well (laughs) this whole thing our whole life is built on language even people who can't use their words have created a system of communication and language with their hands right? People who can't see and are blind, they actually have a language that they use with their fingers. They will feel to speak. They'll have dots or whatever, the the braille, right? So to think that God doesn't have a language for his people is silly. And it's, it's in the Bible. So we should actually come to it with an understanding that, oh, This is something that I can partake in. Just like you would go to high school or, and you'd say, okay, you know, you'd have to pick a a language, right? That you're going to study. I think it was a requirement to learn a different language. If I remember correctly, (laughs) it's been a while, but I took German and then I ended up in Spanish somehow. I think it's because my friends were in the class and I ended up going to Spanish. Everybody wanted to be in Spanish, which nowadays is probably more beneficial as an American to know Spanish than it is to know German, even though I think the German language is very interesting. And I think it's probably harder to learn too. But all these different languages, you know, God allowed to happen for a purpose and to come back, to bring it all back to, okay, now we've been redeemed. We've been saved. We've been sanctified. Jesus paid a price and he restored all things. He brought everything back to um, right. Other than when he comes back and restores, you know, we go to heaven, but on the earth, he paid a price so that now we have access fully to God and his kingdom and the fruits of the spirit and the will of God and the plan of God. We can actually partake and, and, and move and live our life based on his plan and his purpose and not our own, right? We're not separate from God in our language, but we're one with him in our language and not just our natural language, but a heavenly language. So let's see, Jesus' death made a way for the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you look at the gospel in the teaching of, you know, the gospel, which is God coming as a baby, we just celebrated Christmas, being born in a manger, then being raised up at a certain age, stepping into his ministry and not actually fully stepping into it until what? Until he's baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit leads him up into the wilderness. He goes through a time of testing. Then after that, he comes down in power after praying and fasting and going through all those, the temptations of the enemy. And after he's victorious in that situation, he comes down from that mount or from that wilderness experience and is walking in immense power power of the Holy Spirit. And then when he gets to the end of his mission and his his assignment to die on the cross, he doesn't just die and forgive men of their sins and say, okay, now it's all, it's, it's finished. No more uh, judgment, no more uh, for those who come in and, and are in the sun, right? Who accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. There's no more judgment coming. They're forgiven. They're set free. They're saved. They're redeemed. Their children, uh, 
men and women, sons and daughters of, of the Most High God, right? King Jesus. So he dies, but then that death leads to a resurrection, which represents the new life, the transfigured life, the life alive with God, the death of the flesh, the carnal nature, that we now have authority and we can understand its operation and, and have dominion and authority over it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we yield to him, his power grows. His power actually becomes more accessible as we discipline and learn God's ways and learn and get to know him. And he fills us. We make more room in our life for him. Okay. We, we can have all of God, but use very little of it because we're so fleshed out and so carnal in our thinking and understanding. That's why the Bible says, be renewed in the spirit of your, of your mind. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Come to the altar. Come to the Lord. Make God the purpose of your life and he'll fill you with his purpose. Um, so let's go to Acts 2 because we're going to read here how um, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, but then they begin to speak in tongues. And this gift, I believe, is an incredible gift, just like all the gifts are. But when you have the right view of it and you can receive it by faith, it'll change your life. It'll change your prayer life. It'll change your witness. It puts a pep in your step. I'm telling you right now. It'll put a pep in your step, a Holy Spirit pep. Now, when the, let's see, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, I'm not going to read that part. I'm going to go down to 32. Uh, let's see here. Acts 32. I Chapter 2, verse 32. Then Jesus, God raised, God has raised up of which we were all witnesses. Then Jesus, God has raised up of which we were all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He poured out this, which you now see and hear. So if you want to go back and read the beginning, you can do that. But for time's sake, I'm going to stick on this, uh, this outline I have here. And right here, what I'm showing you is that Jesus' death made way for this gift and this promise and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. So they're seeing the move of the Holy Spirit. They're seeing them pray in tongues. They're hearing um, each one of them speak in their own language. There's tongues of fire. They're thinking they're drunk. These aren't drunk with wine, as you suppose. But this is what the prophet Joel prophesied about. God's pouring out his spirit. He's showing them and filling them, but also touching them and depositing spiritual things in their life for the assignment and the task that he has for them, which is to go out and reap a harvest of souls, to go out and see people um, encounter Jesus, the living God, by the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is going to point people to Jesus. It's going to make the, the gospel become like, you know, the truest thing they've ever heard in their life. The Holy Spirit opens our understanding and our eyes to go, wow, Jesus, you're alive. And it's not just in intellect. It's not intellectualism. It is wisdom that is from God, but it is also something that can touch you emotionally. It can touch you physically. It can heal your, uh, your body. It can heal your mind. It can heal the wounds of the past. It can totally restore you, renew you, make you a brand new creation. All things that are old will be past and now you're new. That's why you meet certain people and who they were before, busted, just totally uh, messed up. Now they're saved. They've been redeemed. They're totally transformed on fire. Their life's different. The addictions, the things in their lives are broken. They're, they're changed. And you can see it. There's, I've met so many Christians <coughs> with testimonies, amazing testimonies of God's power in changing them. And then you talk to their family, their, their old friends, whatever. They go, oh my gosh, yeah, they're so different. And there, there's proof that this gift of the Holy Spirit changes lives. And it's that gift that God has given you so that you can be equipped to go out and do ministry and actually see people's lives change by the power of God, by God operating in and through your life. So Acts 37, I mean 2.37 says this, Now when they heard this, 
they were cut to the heart. This is talking about the, the people after Peter just preached to them. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So it's the power of the Holy Spirit and that baptism, that gift in your life that changes you. Okay, It's not just you looking at Jesus and seeing the story of the gospel and then you going, oh, yeah, I can get down with the story, right? It's like, well, yeah, I remember watching the Jesus of Nazareth story and, you know, and then after I got saved, watching it again. And it was a total different impact on me because I had a revelation of what it was actually about instead of just seeing it as a kid and watching it with no understanding at all without without the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit came into my life, now I'm a Christian. Now I'm filled with God. Now I have an assignment. Now I have a purpose. Now, not only is my purpose to know him and be known by him, but it's to to know what he wants me to do with my life and the assignment he has for me on the earth, which is to go glorify him and see other people come to know him and to see the enemy defeated in their life. That the enemy doesn't get to win in people's lives that I get to go in by the power of the Holy Spirit and see them saved and redeemed, just like Peter by preaching this. And then so they received the Holy Spirit and they were added to the church. It was 3,000 people that day. So the gift of the Holy Spirit is for all who believe. The gifts from the Holy Spirit are for all believers. The gifts, that means all nine gifts, are for the believers. They're not for unbelievers. They're for people who know God who are full of the Holy Spirit because you cannot have gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're you're operating in a demonic spirit if you think you have some gift and don't call Jesus Lord. Okay, if you're a medium, a psychic, you're operating in demonic power, right, which is, it has nothing on the Holy Spirit's power at all. But there is demonic power that is there to deceive and, and bring people and lead them away from Christ. But the Holy Spirit, which is the power of God, is to lead them to Christ in deliverance and freedom. So the gifts of the gift of tongues is the same language to whoever speaks it. Meaning that language isn't a different like I have tongues, somebody else has tongues. They're not speaking a different language. It's the same language. It's a heavenly language from God. Now it might sound different, but it's your your personal language before the Lord, but what I'm saying is it's, it's the same heavenly language. It's like you know, if I'm speaking English and somebody's speaking Chinese, we're speaking different languages, right? But if I'm praying in the spirit and then I meet somebody from China who's praying in the spirit, they're not praying a different language. They're praying in the Holy Spirit. They're praying by the spirit of God. And it's the Holy Spirit language that he's, ex- we're exercising our faith as we pray in the spirit. And that's something that God hears and understands. And sometimes we tap into it and get an understanding or we get an interpretation or God uses it in some way to communicate to us um, and bring clarity into our life. I've seen it happen over and over. Um, let's see. So the same, the gift of tongues is the same language to whoever speaks it from whatever country you're from. If you're, you know, if you're in the North Pole, <laughs> maybe that's a little extreme. If you're in Poland, right? Or and then somebody from, I don't know, what's the opposite side? I guess, I don't know, Japan. That person in Japan who gets filled with the Holy Spirit and starts to pray in tongues, their tongues doesn't sound too different than the person over here who's in a different country in Japan, right? Poland and Japan, they're, they're, they're praying in the Spirit, but they're praying the same language, heavenly language. It's coming by the Holy Spirit. And I've met foreigners i've met people who are from other countries and i've heard them pray in the spirit and it sounds pretty much the same syllables are different but it's the same exercise of faith and i've never met them before some people have different sounding tongues but it's it's a spiritual language that's my point so i'm kind of going over this a lot but i want to 
get the point across that the gift of praying in tongues is not some some spooky thing. It's very practical. It's very um, simple in understanding it. It's God's redeeming the one language we can now all use to speak to God because it's about speaking to him. Okay? It's a gift we use to speak with him. It's not a gift we use to speak to one another. I don't go up to somebody and pray in tongues and then they pray back to me in tongues. Now I could be in the same room with somebody praying in tongues and they're praying in tongues, but I'm not trying to understand what they're saying. I'm praying to God, they're praying to God and we have our own line to heaven and I respect them and I'm not sitting there freaked out because they're praying in tongues. Now, if it was an unbeliever and I just started praying in tongues and they're over there praying in English, then yeah, there's going to be an issue because they're going to start going, what the heck are you doing? Or if there's, or if they're just of a different religion or a different type of Christianity, really, they're going to be like, oh, what are you doing? That's weird, right? Because they're over here, Father in heaven, will you please touch our people today? You know, just sometimes prayers can be so weak. And when I mean weak, I mean, it's not that God doesn't hear the heart. It just sounds religious. It just sounds like they've heard somebody else sit there and do it. And so they're doing it. And it's not coming from within their heart. It's not coming out of their spirit. It's coming from this very uh, religious like practice. Our Father who is in heaven, come and see us this day and bless our food and our family and our time. And we know that you are God of everything and you make everything and in all our pain and suffering we thank you lord no that's like that's religious to me this is prayer father i just i come to you in the name of jesus and god i ask that you just bless my family lord i ask lord that you bless my friends god i ask that you would use me today as i go throughout my day lord i pray lord that you would you would uh fill me to the full lord and let let me spill out on others today lord i pray god for jimmy or john God, that as I'm around them today, God, give me a word of knowledge. Give me information to share with them, Lord. I pray for their family. God, I want them to be blessed. I want them to know you. You know, there's just this simple talking to God, and it comes from this passionate place of just being free, being able to be yourself and talk to God the way you would talk to anyone else, right? And I'm not talking about like where you have an irreverence. I'm talking about you being able to express your heart without there being this religious overtone or weird, you know, uh, way of talking. (laughs) Like you go to certain uh, religious services and they have the answer and response stuff. It's like, come on, you're you're literally reading a script of what you're to say and then the priest is going to read a script back to you? Come on, that's like putting on a show. That's like putting on a movie. How about speak it from your heart? Speak it from the depth of where you're at with God and your relationship with him. That's where it should really come from, in my opinion. But in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it says, uh, let me go ahead and read it. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. This is talking about you speaking in the tongue, but you're speaking to God. It says, for he who speaks in in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However... In the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So it's talking about us speaking to God and also speaking mysteries, things that, that, that are to be discovered. What is a mystery? A mystery is something that can be discovered or uncovered. Sometimes we're praying things and we don't have the answer. We don't understand fully why we feel this way or why we're praying this or or we don't have the understanding yet of, okay, this is something I'm going through. I don't know. I don't have a piece on it. I don't understand it. But as we pray in the spirit, God begins to exercise through us, us praying God's will, God's way, speaking to God, talking to him. And then he communicates back to us by unraveling or or, or solving the mystery. There's been many times where you're wondering or you don't have a piece. And sometimes you have to wait. Sometimes you're patient. But God comes and he brings the answer and that answer brings a resolve. It brings a solution to it solves the mystery. So we're speaking things and we're praying God's will and we're asking God's guidance and trying to get understanding about certain things. And sometimes you're not going to get anything because it's just not, you know, you're you don't want to start making stuff up and creating stuff. But 
you do know because God can supernaturally put impressions in your heart and then confirm it as you walk or what somebody else says. There's been a time where I'm praying in the spirit and I'm wanting an answer about something, right? And then all of a sudden I have an impression or or somebody will call me and I'm on the phone with them. They'll literally repeat the words I just prayed and it brings a solution or an answer to the situation. Or there's a... Um, there's an agreement in the way I'm feeling. Someone says, hey, you know what? I was this, the other, and I was thinking about that. Oh, you know, I just prayed about that. I was just thinking about that too. Like, and the timing is just so perfect that you know it's God communicating to you and solving the issue. So that's another reason why praying in the spirit is so important. It's all about communication with God. Not many hear with their natural ears, even when it's preached or read their hearing or understanding can be dull. So we know that people have an issue with hearing. With, did you hear me? Goes in one one ear, out the other. Ever heard that term? Goes in one ear, out the other. People actually have a problem, and I'm not talking about hearing sound or noises, but actually comprehending and having something go beyond just their mind, but it actually gets in their heart. It sits with them. That's how you know, you know, certain songs, when you hear it, it just gets stuck in your head and you can't get it out of your head. That's because you've actually heard it and grasped it. It's like now it's a part of you. And sometimes you want to shoot the person that sang the song because the stupid song stuck in your head. Well, how come people can't get that way with the word of God or with worship songs or something like that? That's when you know, okay, God wants to use his spiritual things and get them in your spirit like the world would want it. You know, images and things that like their movies or even TV, they try to influence the news. We've seen it. Then they use the news and words and language to influence and get in people's uh, spirit and actually shape them and conform them to the world. But the Bible says, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to discern and understand what the perfect will of God is. So there is a tension and battle over this issue of hearing and understanding in language so this the gift of the holy spirit is about you communicating with god and clearing up the airways for him to communicate back to you supernaturally in isaiah 6 verse 8 almost there here i see it as is 6 verse 8 it says Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people. Go and speak. Go and talk to these language. Keep who keep on hearing, but do not understand. These people. They keep on hearing, but they don't understand. They keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. So you see this issue of God wanting to speak to people and have a, a, a you know a heart-to-heart discussion but they're literally having problems hearing and actually hearing God and comprehending because they have shut their eyes their ears are heavy they're dull in their spirit. They can't see and actually hear or understand with their heart. And if they could, then they would return to God and be healed. But instead, they push away from God and push away from the things of God and the gifts of God. You can see that today in the world. People will shun the gifts and the supernatural and the Holy Spirit and accept a religious substitute that's comfortable for their heavy ears right their dull heart their dull understanding and they'll stay in a place of conformity and just something that's that has no power no dunamis no i mean when you connect with the holy spirit he does so many things on the inside of you healing revealing stuff revealing maybe unconfessed sin un issues with other people pride arrogance all these things the holy spirit wants to expose to you but when you're dull and you don't want to hear and you're you're stiff and you're religious you're just going to, oh, it's all about Jesus in this story, but it never you never bring it home into your life, into your heart, into your mindset. God never is able to come in and get into, into the inside of you and start dealing with you about 
things that need to change, things that need to shift in your thinking and understanding because you're dull and you're hard-hearted. And this is where when you allow the Holy Spirit in, you're understanding, oh, this isn't about just him coming in and me feeling goosebumps. This is about him wanting to bring, to do the work that he wants to do in my life. And that's rebuild some of these things the enemy's torn down in our soul about insecurity, about our identity, about our purpose, how we see our family, even how we see our kids, how, how our kids might be struggling in the area. And we've just des- decided to receive a lie the devil told us about our kids. Oh, your kids just this. Oh, your kids that. Oh, your kids need medication. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you need to pray and you need to pray in the tongues and pray in tongues over your child and pray God's will and, and speak and have authority over that demonic thing that's trying to attack your child. And don't let society come in and tell them they're crippled or they're this or they're, they're different. And I'm not talking about different in a good way. I'm talking about different in a social awkward way that brings uh, a reproach. You know, and the thing is this, is that God wants to come in and totally blow your mind in what he's able to do in your life. And how are you going to receive from him if you can't hear, if you're not able to have a, a, a good conversation? I'm not you just creating that you're hearing God, but God supernaturally confirming it through signs and wonders in your life that he's speaking. Not just you saying, God, I heard God say this, and then you're the only one that heard it, and there's no confirmation, and nobody's in agreement, and you're just doing it on your own. And you're going your own way, and that's going to bring correction in your life. Especially if you love the Lord. The Lord will have to correct you. But if you pray in the Spirit and you have access to the Lord, He gives you the power to yield and to surrender your will. To say, okay, God, I'm not trying to build a tower in my own strength and do it my own way so I can be exalted. But God, I want to do it your way and you do it through my life. And you, if you do it, then I don't have to worry about it. But if I do it, then I got to worry and stress because, oh, you know, I'm going to, I could mess it up big time. But with God, even if it gets messed up, He's able to, um, save and protect and heal and restore but when we do it on our own it's flesh then it's it has to die because it's not spirit the bible says whatever's flesh is flesh and whatever spirit spirit so jesus wasn't even fully fully heard right jesus people had a hard time listening to jesus in matthew 13 9 he's teaching the parable about the about the seed sown um in the new testament if you go to matthew And we'll go to chapter 13. He's talking about the parable of the sower, the one who goes out to sow the seed and how the seed falls on different ground. And then you can pull this. uh, The carnal man... Wait, hold on. Sorry. The fallen human condition is is a disconnect from God. Matthew 13, 9. Almost there. I'm using my my Bible today because I have notes on my phone. So I'm actually got a paper Bible instead of using my phone uh, to read it. So in Matthew 13, 9, it says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So that reference is talking about the different grounds that the seed is falling on. So the word of God, the, the sower sows the seed and it goes on, uh, here, I'll just read it. And sowed, and some fell on from the wayside, and birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they were withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, Jesus spoke in parables and they were, they were kind of mysteries. Sometimes there was hidden meaning. There's meaning behind the story. There's the moral of the story, right? So Jesus has this interesting way of, of language and you seeing something and then looking beyond it and finding hidden treasure, manna from heaven that actually is wisdom and understanding and guidance protection blessing and god's saying there's seed that fall on b- 
bad ground, but then there's seed that falls on good ground. And I believe people who have good ground are those who find the seed, like he talks about in another parable, where it says the man who found the treasure, the pearl, right, of great price, or, or the, the, what is it, the one where he goes and buries it and he buys the field so that he can have it, or so, I can't remember exactly how that parable goes. But there's all these things about you finding the thing that means the most to you. And when you find Christianity and the Spirit and, and God touches your life in such a way, it becomes everything to you. Meaning you'll give everything up for this one thing. You'll, you'll give your whole life to it. And that's the Holy Spirit producing that in you. Religion, dead religion doesn't produce that in people. Dead religion says, hey, I'll see you next Sunday. Let's hang out for an hour and then go back to our world and our life and do it our way. But Holy Spirit filled Christianity says, let's run after God. Let's press into God and let's see God move and shake a city. Let's see God move and completely take a, a family that's broken and busted and completely see that family restored and healed and functioning properly in society. Let's see this person over here who's hooked on methamphetamine, who looks like a skeleton, who looks like they're about to die, completely get zapped by God, and three to six months later be totally radically transformed and on fire for God. Now preaching the gospel, now testifying, some of them even with their own ministries that have done, I mean, Todd White, here's somebody who gets a lot of flack, who gets a lot of persecution from, from the religious group, right? They call him an apostate or whatever. Uh, he talks heresy, all this stuff. But I've heard him preach and I've heard him, I've seen him minister. And you know what he looks like to me? He looks like a disciple of Jesus because he's not the norm. He doesn't look like some proper, prim and proper dude, but he's got boldness. He shares his faith. He prays for the sick. He believes God for miracles. He's doing what the Bible says. And the ones who are persecuting him the most isn't the world. It's Christians. It's religious, dead, stuffy, doctrinal, whatever, theologian, apologetic nonsense where these people get in there and they think they're so smart and they know God so much, but yet they don't even have the power to go see people transformed. You know what? I'll follow Todd White any day over somebody who thinks they're a theologian, knows all this nonsense about the Bible, when if they don't have it operating in their life and you don't see the people around them, actually their life's being transformed, them being challenged and discipled. And, and you know, they begin to be shaped by the Holy Spirit in that person's life. Dead religion will shape people to have no power, no commitment, no fire, no excitement for the, for the move of God, be turned off and, and actually scared of the Holy Spirit and think he's some weird thing instead of being open and love the Holy Spirit. I'm getting on my soapbox now. Sorry. <laughs> Woo. But he who has ears to hear, let him hear what God's saying. Not what man is saying, not what men are trying to conjure up, but what the Holy Spirit's saying. And he speaks beyond men's words. He speaks in confirmation and supernatural ways that he moves. It's incredible. The Bible says that the carnal man is an, is an enmity to God. It's an, it's an enemy to God. The carnal man and the carnal mind, specifically in Romans 8, 7. Let me go to Romans. And you'll see, you know, this, this chapter 8 in Romans is such a rich chapter. If you just go into that chapter and just read it, spend time with it, it's so powerful. There's so many verses in there that just you can stand on, you can pray over your life. They speak of salvation, they speak of faith, healing. So 8... And seven says this, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. 
He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That's talking about healing and restoration and, vi- and vibrancy and re- like restoring a battery. The Holy Spirit comes and brings life to your mortal body. When, you're, when, when, you're, when your body's decaying and dying and wanting to go the way of, of death, the Holy Spirit comes and gives it life. That's powerful. In verse 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So when your mind is set on the things of the Spirit, you're not going to be weirded out by a heavenly language, by somebody praying in tongues, because it's part of having a spiritual mind. You're not going to be offended and weirded out. If you're raised, you know, maybe Baptist who think the gifts of the Spirit passed away and you've been taught all that nonsense doctrinally from their little sect of religion that removes the Holy Spirit, well then, yeah, you're going to have all that nonsense in your mind. But if you fill your life with the Spirit of God and you get around people who are Holy Spirit filled, and then the next thing you know, you actually start falling in love with the Holy Spirit and the move of God, and that's all you want. You don't want dead religion. You need to see God move. You need to see people saved. You need to see people healed and redeemed. You can't just hang out in a church and nothing be happening. I've seen people hang out in church, never share their faith, never talk about a miracle, never ask for prayer. They just show up with a Bible, sit there for an hour and leave. That's not Christianity. That's dead religion. But there is a Christianity where there's people who are of the spirit, who love God, who love the things of God and move by the spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit is the connection between you and God. It's the connection between what's heavenly and, and he's, the, he's the dividing factor of what is heavenly in your life and heaven meaning spirit, spirit. And then he brings a division between what is carnal, death, and the flesh. He's very good at letting you know, this isn't me, this is evil, or this is, this is ungodly, because that's the Holy Spirit's purpose. He comes and convicts the world of sin. It's not men. Men don't come and convict other people. That's condemnation or the devil trying to condemn other people, right? By calling them names or telling them they're going to go to hell. The Holy Spirit comes and brings conviction. He's the one that lets people know, hey, you're doing wrong. But if they try to bypass him and get to God and and not have any kind of encounter with the Holy Spirit and create this this Holy Spiritless version of the Bible or version of Christianity, you're going to be missing a huge piece. You're going to miss a huge piece of what's in the Bible and what's taught Christian, what, what, what is taught that actual Christianity is. You have to have the Holy Spirit. You must be full of God, baptized in the Spirit. Not just baptized in water. Baptism in water is representation of your old man dying and the new man being raised to life. How many know there's people who've been baptized and they've gone under all head to toe wet and come out of that water and they can still go and screw off and totally be disconnected from God and not have any mission, any passion, any desire to go please God. Just as dead as when they went under the water, they come up the same person. The, the real transformation, okay, and there are people who get baptized and they have this experience. They actually live differently and on fire for God. And especially when the baptism of the Holy Spirit is more important and prevalent than you being dunked underwater. Okay, the, the water has no power. The thing that makes the water have power is the spirit of God because he raises you up a new man and that new creation has to now interact and connect with the person that's living, right? You. So let me put it this way. You get saved. You give your life to Jesus and your representation of you dying to yourself is you being dunked underwater, right? That's the baptism underwater is, okay, I'll just use me as an example. I get dunked under the water, I come up, and it's a representation before God and man that Brandon, the sinful man, the one who who was born into sin, who lived a sinful life before he came to Christ, is buried with Christ, but now I've been raised with Christ. That, that That old man is dead with Jesus when he died on the cross and broke that power of sin. And now I'm raised up a new creation. Well, what does that look like? Well, now I'm just this person. I still have my past. I still have, I still remember all the things I did wrong. 
but God says you're forgiven. I believe it by faith. I'm forgiven. Now I'm freed up to say, okay, I, I get a fresh start, a new start. I don't have to live like I used to. I don't have to think like I used to think. But if I don't get renewed in my spirit of my mind, and then if I don't get full of the spirit of God on the inside of me, then that old man is just waiting to come back, waiting to resurrect himself to rule and run my life. And you've seen it over and over and over in Christianity. People who say they have an encounter, say they have an experience, but without the baptism of the Holy Spirit and them learning how to yield to him, now he, they're partnering with this helper, this help me, the one who's been called alongside to help you, right? Jesus said, I'm sending you a helper, a comforter, one that comforts you, but also empowers you. He's the one that all the gifts and all the things that flow through our lives and how God uses us. If we lay hands, why does God say lay hands on the sick? Why does he say lay hands? You, he could just say pray for the sick. But he says lay hands because there is a power and an authority in us laying hands on somebody and then saying be healed. There's something about touching and agreeing and, and what's on the inside of you and operating on your life. There's a transference of you now laying hands on somebody and something happening in the spirit. Or why does it teach that? Well, you just lay hands on them so that you can pat them on the shoulder? No, because there's something that takes place spiritually. And there's another scripture that says, careful not to lay hands on just anyone. Don't just do it out of, you know, be wise and, and, and prayerful about how you do it. Because... Um, there's people that teach there's a transference the other way where you get attacked by the devil because you lay hands on somebody and then the stuff spiritually gets comes back on you instead of, you know, so you, like with the seven sons of Sceva, they went out and tried to cast the devil out, but they weren't they weren't prayed up and ready and they got their butts whooped. But to get back to the carnal mind. Oh, my gosh, I, I, I'm actually going to do a part two on this. This is part one. Because I'm already an hour in, and I still got a lot, a lot left. So let me let me wrap up with this. In verse 12, it says, uh, which I already read, but it says, um, or wait, no, here it is. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And part of living by the spirit is knowing how to yield to the spirit and that involves you knowing how to yield your mind and your being to praying in the spirit to allowing god to give you a heavenly language that you can actually now engage with him in prayer and in intimacy and i'm going to go into the whole tongue things next next uh, podcast and i'll go more into explaining um in chapter 14 of corinthians kind of the way I see that scripture and the way others see it too. There's other people. It's funny because I can preach a message on the Holy Spirit and then I can listen to other people and go, okay, yeah, I probably got some of this from those people I listen to. But at the same time, it's the spirit of God. It's the same spirit. It's not a different spirit. And there are different spirits. There's different versions. Okay. The Catholic God is not the Catholic of the Pentecost Christianity. The ones who worship Jesus and say, Jesus, 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 but there's no Holy Spirit, they're not worshiping the real Jesus because the real Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is very much included because Jesus died on the cross to make a way for the Holy Spirit to come and live and abide on the inside of you. And you should know how to engage and walk and actually have a relationship with him. And there's another scripture that says, those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. And I think it's in, maybe it's in Ephesians. I can't remember exactly the location. I'll have it next week. But those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. So you cannot be a son or daughter of God if you're not being led by God. God leads his son, his children. He He's their Lord. He's their Savior. He's the one guiding them. Amen. One more thing. If you coming to the Lord and he says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may know what the perfect will of God is. So one of those ways is reading the word, but also another way is exercising your faith through prayer, through fasting, through um, exercising the gifts, by stepping out of faith, by asking God to open you up to be used. God, use me in all the gifts. I want to be used. It's as he wills. It's him doing it through our life. 
All we ha he wills it. He wants to use you in a supernatural way. You just got to step out of the way. You got to get out of your head and out of your control. You can't sit there and try to be the pilot when God's saying, no, let me be the pilot and let me teach you how to yield to my spirit so I can use you supernaturally. Amen. Amen. See you next week. Have a blessed uh, week. Amen. Bye-bye. Yeah, I wanna spend all my time, time